Does this make you the comeback kid? We'll see. You know, that'll be determined on February 9th when we see how the votes come in. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. My philosophy's always been that the more people see me, the better I do. Every question was on national security. Things are really starting to come together. I'm not in this for a book deal or a Fox News show. I'm in this to win and be president of the United States. I'm David First. For months, pundits have been saying that Christie's presidential aspirations were dead in the water. But lately, his campaign has been singing a different tune. I'm not dead! We're joined now by Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC, and Tom Moran, editorial page editor for the Star-Ledger, both up in New Hampshire this week. Hey, guys. Hey, David. Hey, Dave. And Tom, you're in uh, Concord. Matt, uh, you're in Manchester. After the terrorist attacks in Paris, a lot of people started talking about Christie And uh, this week, he picked up an endorsement from the influential New Hampshire paper, The Union Leader. We heard him talking about that with uh, CNN's Jamie Gangel at the top of the show. Tom, people have been writing Christie off for so long now, but aside from a couple of key endorsements, how much of a comeback is he making? Yeah, I was one of those who wrote him off like a month ago. I mean, I think it's still an extreme long shot, but he's not dead. He's still breathing. So the Terrorist attacks in Paris seem to have given him new life, uh, which kind of surprises me given that he has no foreign policy experience, but he sounds commanding and authoritative and decisive, and that's definitely making an impression. At last night's town hall at the fire department in Luton, uh, New Hampshire, outside Concord, one person after the other I talked to said, you know, he was uh, in my top five, but now I think I might vote for him. And it's based on this security thing. Christie, as a prosecutor, does know how to handle ISIS by a mile more than even the other Republicans. Obama's like on their side. And then you have the endorsement of the Manchester paper, which gives you on average an 11-point bump. Is that still true these days? Uh, You know, uh, how significant is that endorsement from the union leader? Well, you know, I talked to the writer, their editorial page editor yesterday about that. He said, as Matt has pointed out on NYC, Nate Silver did a study of this through the past 30 or 40 years and found an average of 11-point difference between where they stood in the polls at the time of the endorsement and where they wound up at the finish line. And it was an 11-point gain on average. But it varied widely. And the paper's read of that is some candidates really use it well. Uh, John McCain, you know, went everywhere and hammered people with this. Newt Gingrich stopped going to New Hampshire, so he barely got a bump. Christie's going to be here, and last night at the firehouse, there was a copy of the endorsement on every one of the hundreds of folding chairs in that firehouse. I think he's likely to bang it like a cheap drum. I think what it what it shows is that the work we've been putting in here in New Hampshire, the plans we've laid out, um, that people are taking them seriously and taking them to heart, and uh, we're thrilled to have the endorsement. Well, Matt, you've been hitting all of the town halls and all of the governor's events this week. What's different in New Hampshire this time from, say, a month ago? The crowds seem somewhat larger, and the governor seems more on. Uh, He's at his best that I've seen him in years, maybe ever. There were probably more laugh lines and more hearty laughs than I've heard in a town hall meeting in years. You in New Hampshire are literally, along with your compatriots in Iowa, the most powerful people in the world right now. So I don't want to hear you bellyaching anymore about not being powerful, okay? You're powerful enough. 
What kinds of questions is he getting at these town halls? Well, nothing about New Jersey ever, which is great for him. And the top concern, and this is often what the questions relate to, is security. I was talking to people at the town hall meeting, and they said that security, national security, ISIS, terrorism is their chief concern. Uh, One guy was telling me that he worries about ISIS refugees. I'm glad that a lot of these governors are keeping these uh, ISIS refugees and them out of here. I don't want to see them over here. Conflating this idea that ISIS is going to attack America with the fact that we're accepting Syrian refugees. There is great concern here among certain conservatives that everything is out of control, both here and in the Middle East. He has experience. He's a Christian. And I believe he is right about the priorities of what the president has to do rather than just running away like we seem to be doing right now. He's right online about our priorities, how to deal with ISIS and world terrorism that's going on. Then they listen to the governor and he, like, calms them. A few weeks ago, the entire campaign changed because the single most important responsibility of the president of the United States, in my opinion, is to protect the safety and the security of the American people. He's like, I'm going to get in the White House and take control of this thing. Our world war is happening right now. And it's been happening. It's been happening since Al-Qaeda started to do their attacks at embassies overseas, attacking our ships. And it's been going on. And this president got into office and decided that American inaction was always better than American action. He talks in extremely hawkish, aggressive terms, and then he couples it with emotion. His September 11th story has gotten so much longer and more detailed since the Paris attacks. The story is that he didn't know where his wife was. Mary Pat works near Ground Zero. She told me, they're telling me i got to evacuate to the basement. I'll call you when I can. Five and a half hours went by. When I was trying to reach her, both buildings fell. He lost contact with her when he finally, when she finally was able to call him, she she was at a bar. Mary Pat was on the other end of the phone, and I don't want you to hold this against her, but she was calling from a bar. (laughs) She was. And what that did was... It released the tension for a moment, and then he dialed the tension back up. He was, it's like watching a jam band, you know, when they, when they you know, build up the, 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 the space drum riff, and then they, you know, release it into the explosion of, of, of the cacophony of noise. I'm going to put the widows and orphans and the citizens of this country first, and the President of the United States can play to his crowd at the United Nations. I was struck by the fighting sentiment among the people there. I mean, you think back to 2008 when Obama's opposition to the Iraq war helped get him elected and how tired Americans were of fighting, especially in the Middle East. And now that seems to have flipped entirely, at least in the Republican base. They want aggressive. They want to be reassured that this is a tough guy we're going to put in the White House who's ready to fight. You know, there's no specific plan that Christie has presented what he's going to do. It's all atmospherics. But it's uh, unmistakably aggressive. And when you combine that with his lack of experience, any experience in foreign policy, to me it's a little scary. But people are not counting like that. Nor are they looking at his record, as Matt was saying, uh, as governor in New Jersey. This is all about 
stage performance. And, you know, this is the year of Trump and Carson. And Christie is the only one of the mainstream candidates who can play that game. Governor Christie is a very interesting person. Um, he's a very sharp guy. He's done a good job in a state where he's alone against their own, his own Congress. And everything he does, of course, is he answers every question. Period. He's been here so much. And in New Hampshire, it's all about retail politics. It's all about coming to Janie's and uh, talking to the people one-on-one, face-to-face, looking them in the eye, answering their questions straightforward. If I can return, too, to the crowd there at the firehouse, it was overwhelmingly elderly. I, I think probably one out of ten people is under 65 there. But I wonder if this uh, you know, sort of hyper-aggressive security pitch on the part of a guy with no experience is going to sell more broadly. Well, he can dial it back, and then he just changes his position. I mean, he's changed his position on things in the past week, rhetorically. <laughs> now, he, now he's been talking about you know, Muslims being great citizens of New Jersey, which is something he pointedly uh, didn't say a couple of weeks ago. Now he says that nobody celebrated September 11th in Jersey City, where he pointedly avoided saying that a couple of weeks ago. The Christie versus Trump battle that uh, never happened is finally starting to get going after, you know, now that Christie has gained some momentum. And as you mentioned, Matt, his language started getting a little tougher when it came to denying uh, those claims from Trump that thousands were celebrating in Jersey City on 9-11. Oh, I would call it more than a little bit stronger. I mean, the first time he said I could be wrong, this time he said it didn't happen. And you know, the fact is that, you know, you, people can say anything, but the, the, the facts are the facts, and that did not happen in New Jersey that day, and it hasn't happened since. It was a pretty decisive switch, I think. This battle is now on. And, you know, I wonder whether the endorsement by the way, hilarious that all these Republicans want to get endorsed by something called the union leader. <laughs> That's just an aside. This endorsement from the union leader, I wonder if the greatest effect it had was to prompt Donald Trump to send a tweet out the following morning saying that uh, New Jerseyans aren't happy with uh, Chris Christie. I mean, these guys are supposedly friends. You know, Christie went to his wedding. Uh, they have dinner. And they've, like, avoided criticizing each other to great extents. And they, I mean, really, like, twisted themselves to avoid criticizing each other. Finally, Trump fires the first shot. And now, in short order, the, the gloves came off. I'm happy to get the attention from Donald. Um, I'm happy to take whatever advice he has, you know, in 140 characters or less. That seems to be the way he communicates the best. I wonder if that was prompted by the endorsement that Trump suddenly saw that he was more of a threat uh, than he had been. Now it's getting interesting. And, and these guys don't know how to spar. They only know how to go nuclear. So this could get awesome. I think there's a lot of people uh, out there who would say awesome isn't the word for it. I would say the awesome is not the word for it. I'm so bored by all this uh, theatrics, this reality TV show that this campaign has become. I mean, it's amazing to me that all the discussion about Christie, no one's talking about his record as governor, even the endorsement editorial. And I got these guys on the phone and said, hey, what, did, what was your view about New Jersey's transit crisis or housing or jobs or pension? Didn't know anything about any of that. I mean, it's scary to me that a great nation is selecting its president based on this reality TV criteria. And if it devolves into a big... Trump versus Christie trading insults over the next few weeks uh, makes me 
cry for our democracy. I actually think that if there's anybody in a position to actually uh, call Christie out on his record in New Jersey, it would be Donald Trump, who at times has moments of extreme clarity and calls out truths that nobody else on the pl- on, on a debate stage is willing to call out. And he could be the guy who could actually, you know, bring the dialogue when it comes to Christie and his record up to a better better level, a, a, a more intellectual level. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's plausible. If Christie does get real lift in the polls, then I'm hoping there will be some natural inclination on the part of the national media to look at his record in New Jersey. So last week we had uh, Pat Colligan on the show, president of the New Jersey State Policemen's Benevolent Association, uh, telling us why he's been warning officers across the country against supporting Christie's presidential bid. He certainly doesn't have our backs. He certainly hasn't been uh, friendly to our position. The, our organization, the New Jersey State PBA, has been around since 1896. We've had a relationship with every governor since 1896. We have had no relationship with this governor. And uh, Matt, uh, you had a chance to uh, ask Christie about that. Christie's whole shtick about Obama is that he has failed to show cops that he appreciates them. I mean, this is, he he keeps harping on this when in fact in New Jersey, cops are screaming that Christie doesn't respect them. So Christie responded by basically saying that all the police unions in New Jersey care about is pension reforms that he made. Because he's a pension pig. That's why. It's all it's about. And you know that. I mean, you know, that, that's exactly what it's all about. He's, he's a pension pig. Um, that's what he's always been about. It's about feeding at the trough as much as he possibly can. That's what they've always been about. It didn't register with me at the time. I just thought this was more of the governor's colorful language. But in reality, he called a cop a pig. It's a little different calling him a pension pig than a pig because the pig usually refers to brutal behavior. And the pension pig is kind of trying to paint him as a selfish guy. I mean, aside from the, the, the loud noise around this, the substantive problem with it is there's a stalemate that really threatens New Jersey's prosperity, this pension crisis that needs to be resolved. And by throwing gasoline on this fire, it puts it even further out of reach. I mean, if we don't solve this, the unions are going to have to take another round of cuts. The state is going to have to put more money into the pension fund. So they have to come up with some good faith compromise. And now Christie is sort of punching this guy in the nose. Tom Moran with the Star-Ledger in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC in Manchester. Thanks both for joining us. Thanks, David. Okay, boys, thanks. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00. That's Matt K-A-T-Z. Or Tom Moran at Tom A. Moran. I'm David First. And Governor, Governor, come on. It's, it's time to go. Did they put the microphones away? They actually believed I was going to stop. <laughs> <laughs>